welcome to the interview show with the Cycling Legends podcast. I am Gary and in this latest show I'm going to be speaking to Claire Steeles who rides with the Israel Premier Tech Rollins team. Uh, Claire has previously raced with UCI Continental Team Sopella Women's Team and for the British Domestic Team Brother Fusion RT. This is her first year with Israel Premier Tech uh, and I caught up with her last week to chat about her career, what it's like racing in the Women's World Tour and, and also about her plans for the rest of the season. Special thanks for this episode go to Miguel Conde, who's uh, Israel Premier Tech Roland's communications manager and press officer, um, and also, of course, to Claire for taking the time out from an, an intensive start to their 2023 season um, and having a, just a generally great chat. I hope you like it, um, and we'll speak to you again soon on the interview show from the Second Legends podcast. On an afternoon when weather has hit racing in Northern Europe with the cancellation of the Drenthe Acht and Stage 6 of Paris-Nice, um, I'm delighted to have some Balearic sunshine brought to us by Claire Steels of Israel Premier Tech, Roland, who joins us uh, on the Cycling Legends podcast. Claire, it's brilliant to see you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a joy. Now, um we're going to plunge straight in here. The received wisdom is that for a British cyclist to make it to to make it to anywhere in cycling, whether it be World Tour or Olympic glory, there are two paths. One of which is a really is a cycling family with a, a talented mother and father and brothers and sisters, um, and you follow their footsteps through the club club scene and into, into a, a junior team and so on. The other, of course, is that British cycling turn up at your school. And um, with a walk bike, you do some good numbers and, you know, Olympic medals and uh, knighthoods and damehoods follow. Um, your your uh, journey to uh, the Women's World Tour is it was somewhat less conventional by that standard, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I can safely say that neither of those things happened to me. I'm, I'm not from a, a cycling family and I'm pretty certain I was sort of through the educational system before British Cycling decided to turn up at schools and and sort of talent recruit, I guess. Um, so yeah, that certainly wasn't my path to where I am today. No. <laughs> so, so how did you how did you get into cycling there in the first place? Where did it begin? Um, so it started. I, I, I was doing a lot of running. I've always been a very sporty and active person. Um, played a lot of hockey through school and university and through most of my 20s really and then um, was running with a friend who had started doing triathlons and she had qualified for the GB age group system and I thought that sounded like a lot of fun you get a nice way to travel around meet some nice people I can give that a go and she was like yeah yeah it's great you're just a terrible swimmer and you don't own a bike so maybe you can't do it. Um, and I thought the easiest of those problems to fix would be the bike. So went to my local bike shop. I think I was like a salesman's dream. I just walked in. That's <laughs> like, that'll do. That one's pretty. I'll take that. Um, and that, that was it. And that's how I started on my journey. So a friend who I played hockey with at the time put me in touch with um, a guy she worked with who started coaching me um, and is still my coach today, Mark Griffin. And, um, and I, yeah, I started training for duathlons, um, trained for a year and then qualified for the GB age group system. So then did that for a couple of years. You, you were quite then, a duathlon, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> it was, I had a lot of free time. <laughs> I, I just moved back um 
to, to where I grew up. I had come out a pretty horrible, had a lot of free time and probably didn't have the emotional energy to start back building up my fitness business. Um, so needed something. So duathlons and the bike, that was that was a way forward. Um, so yes, I, I qualified for the world championships in Adelaide, which was my first one. Um, so when I went back to the Tour Island this year, that was very cool to go back. Um, but yeah, I won there, and then I went to the Worlds again in Northern Spain and won there, um, and then went to Canada the following year and came second. And that's when I decided enough's enough. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I realised that actually I really enjoyed cycling and running wasn't quite as enjoyable. Um, so I, I wanted to spend some time focusing on cycling. Um, did the local crit scene in the UK and then started with my first road race, which was the Tour of Sussex in the UK. Fantastic um, three sort of three day stage race. And from there went on to race for a British team. Um, it was called Fusion at the time and then became Brother Fusion. And I had a great time there, met some wonderful people. Um, but at that point, I was already living in Mallorca and was traveling back to the UK to race. And it was just getting a bit too much. And I, I also wanted to to race in Europe. I wanted to race in the sunshine. And um, so uh, a friend on the island here put me in touch with a friend who put me in touch with Sapella women's team. And I had three great years with Sapella. Um, the director there was is a wonderful guy and, and really helped me develop as a cyclist, technically, tactically, um, and invested a lot of time and energy in, in helping me become a much better cyclist. Um, and then at the end of last season, I I was just getting to a point where I thought, you know, th this is great, but I'm exhausted. I'm I'm running a business at the same time as trying to train full time, essentially, um, and racing a, what felt like a lot at the time. What I now realise. <laughs> was not a lot um but and I just said you know I need to be in a position or I want to be in a position where I can I cannot work and I can give everything to the bike and you know with that in mind I probably won't race next year I'll just focus on on working and Fran the director of this team was like no like we're gonna go for it we're gonna we're gonna get you into a world tour team I'm really gonna help you and and he invested like say a lot of time and energy and, and really helped sort of push me forward and spoke to people um introduced me to some people and then after the tour of the Ardesh last year um Israel Premier Tech wrote and were like yeah let's go like we'll take her <laughs> and it's it, yeah yeah it's just sort of gone from there really so it's I feel like there are I don't know, three or four sort of really key moments since I started cycling that have really defined the path that, that I've taken. If I, you know, I, I was doing a local crit in Mallorca when I was still racing for the team in the UK. And again, it was at a point where I thought, oh, this traveling is, it's getting too much. I don't want to race in the UK anymore. Maybe I'll stop. And a friend of mine said, actually, I think you could be racing for a better team. I think you could be on a, a UCI continental team. Let me put you in touch. And so that's sort of that, that first person who helped me make that, that bridge, if you like. So 
you know, two or three situations like that. And suddenly now I'm racing for a world title team and living the dream. <laughs> Indeed. I've, I've seen some of your uh, your social media posts and you, you've made reference to it being just, just a mad, crazy journey. Does it feel like that? Yeah, it, it really, really does. Um, especially because as as I am reminded quite a lot, it, it's not like I'm 24 years old and it, it, you know, a lot of my friends from school and from university are doing more traditional jobs and leading more traditional lifestyles, if you like, um, married or, or not married or, but with children and more of a, a stable home life in terms of, you know, they're not living out of a suitcase 10 days at home and then going off to another country and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it it just feels like it's the life I'm supposed to be living right now. It just feels truly wonderful. And um, yeah, there, there are hard moments, like in all aspects of life, but it's, I wouldn't be anywhere else, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it's, we said before we started recording that it's it's just been an intense start to the season for you. I mean, you've started the Tour Down Under, you've ridden the, um, or in fact, you've ridden three races in, in Australia at the start of the season. You've done the, the UAE Tour, Strada Bianchi, the um, Valenciana, uh, and the, the Trofeo in Oro. Oh, oh, the Trofeo in Oro, <laughs> sorry. Not in that order, but that's a mad block of racing for, um, you know, your first year on the Women's World Tour. Yeah, it's it's definitely been quite an in, intense start to the year. I think I, I I went back to the UK for Christmas, but flew back here for New Year. So I, I guess maybe on like the twenty eighth, and then left for um, Australia on the fourth or the fifth of January. And I, I I think I worked it out last time I was back. I'd been in my house for maybe like fourteen days of this year. And it, it has, it's just been mad. And, you know, what I alluded to earlier in terms of like the race calendar and the racing days, looking back last year, I probably did around 30 race days in total. I mean, I'm over halfway to that already. And we're, what is it? It's the 10th of March. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very, very full on um, so far. Um, but it, it's fantastic it's it's tiring don't get me wrong but it's wonderful and going back to Australia was a fantastic way to start the year for me to start with this team and it's a great bonding opportunity with the rest of the the riders as well it's a great experience to share with them yeah let's let's talk about the the team then Israel Premier Tech Roland it's first year on the women's world tour it's a team that's grown out of the previous uh, Kodia squad's um, I hope I pronounced that properly. Um, but it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a relatively inexperienced squad in a number of ways, both in terms of um, pro racing experience. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of lot of really young riders in there. I'm looking at um, Tamara Dronova, who's you know she's twenty. Um, well, I mean yourself, you're new to the. You, you've alluded you're not 20 um but you're you're new to, you're new to this level of the sport we've got anna kiesenhofer who is the olympic champion the olympic yes. champion and yet is relatively inexperienced when it comes to racing on the road I mean, what's what's the vibe like inside the team i have to say i so i came from my from my first team in the uk and had a wonderful group of females around me and then i went to sapella and and I thought, oh, well, you know, everyone's, you know, I'm the only English rider. 
my Spanish isn't great slash terrible and everyone's quite a bit younger than me and I'm not sure how it's going to work out and after three years I was genuinely very sad to leave those riders behind it it was very much like a family and coming into into this team I thought can you have three times where you just it just feels great and you really can because I feel so fortunate to be in yet another team where the vibe between the riders is just fantastic I mean yeah we're a broad range of of ages and different life experiences some riders who have always been racing their whole working life so to speak riders like myself who this is my first year as a full professional who have very different life experience but we're all there for the same reason and we, we all have the same goal and it's a really wonderful dynamic within the team and that's I don't think you can put a price on that, to be honest. It's wonderful. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm just looking at your results for the season. It's, it's, I mean, the, the team generally is, is not there to, isn't there just making up the numbers, um, which has been, you know, the team as a whole has been active in a lot of the races. Um, you personally, mm-hmm. in the seven races you've ridden, you've been the, in five of them, I think you've been the, the highest placed uh, member of the team. Um, what, are, what are the team goals for the, for the season what you know at the, the start of the race you're sitting on the bus what what is the objective but for the team objective i i mean i i'm not sure if i'm really quite in a position to to sort of say what the team objective is as the whole um but we are very aware that we are a, in our infancy i guess as as a team is probably the the best way to describe it and no we're not a development team but as a team we are developing if that that makes sense. Developing um, team as opposed to development team. Yeah, exactly. Finding our place within the world tour, finding our footing. And yes, as individuals, as riders, we are all continuing to develop. A personal goal for me would be to do everything I can to to help the team maintain that their world tour license, maintain the points, um, keep ourselves up there, be active in, in the races and be competitive be entertaining and help build women's cycling as a whole I mean you know we the sport is growing so much and at an accelerated rate um and it's wonderful to be part of that and to be able to contribute to that and I think if you know as a team if we can provide role models for other women across the world to show that this is this is a viable lifestyle option. It's a viable career option. Then, then that's brilliant. And you know, have some really good racing in there as well. That would be super. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the racing is be, is just it's completely different for the way men race. It's so so enjoyable. It's so less predictable and formulaic. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to pick up, and you, you're talking about the growth of women's cycling. Um, and I mean, the team is you have 13 riders at the moment. In the roster, in a, a program that is growing, you know, the women, the world's tour itself is growing, and the number of other pro races is growing. Um, do you see that, or do you feel that putting pressure on you as riders to, you know, race, recover, race, recover? Is it, you know, does it feel an imposition almost, or is it just hell? Let's go racing. Um, for me, it, it isn't an imposition. For for me, it's a 
I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a very busy schedule. And when you occasionally, I, I have looked at my calendar and, you know, when you're trying to arrange, I don't know, when, you know, if I'm going to go back to the UK to see my family, for example, I'm like, but I can't go then because then I've got to fly and then, and then I'm racing there and then I can't do anything. November? Um, but it isn't an imposition. It, it, it's a privilege for me to be able to be in this position, to be this busy, to be competing at the top level. Um, I mean, maybe we speak again in August. <laughs> I'm um, but yeah, we are quite a small, a, a small group of riders to be taking on this calendar. You know, the world, like you say, the World Tour calendar in itself has grown, and that's without you know the other races, the the pro, the you know one, the one point one, the two. Um, so it's going to be a really busy year. Personally, I don't think that it's an imposition. I think it's a great opportunity. And as the management side of the team, they are very mindful of ensuring that we get adequate rest and adequate training time as well. You know, you can't race, fly back two days at home, race, fly back two days at home. That doesn't benefit anyone at all. And you just end up with a burnout. Um, so it is really about prioritizing those races. Um, and we, we are in a position where we do have the development team as well with that sort of pool of riders that we can bring up and they can have the opportunity to race in the World Tour team um, and also provide the, the riders from the World Tour team just a, a little bit of respite as the season gets more and more hectic. Right. Actually, you, you mentioned the development team. And one notable name there is uh, Fariba Hishimi, who's the, uh, the, the Afghan national champion. Now, she was yeah. signed on the basis that She's in the development team for the first part of the season, um, and she's going to join you guys in the in the big team uh, later this season. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Which is absolutely phenomenal, and like I say, it's a great thing for women cycling. It's a great thing for women globally. It's a great thing for female progression. So I'm really excited about having the opportunity to race with her. Yeah, you, you spoke about being. This is something you never hear male riders talking about is is speaking about being the the role model and helping the sport grow i mean do you i mean i guess as you say it's a privilege um, and i would see it but, but is there almost a, is there a weight of expectation to some extent amongst in the women's peloton that you're you're, you're also developing the sport as well as racing for your indiv individual and, and your team goals um again i don't think it's like a, a weight of expectation i think certainly not for from my side it isn't um i before cycling as a, a fitness professional it's always been something that's been very important to me to to help and to show people what things are possible and the type of lifestyle that you can lead and the opportunities do happen and you know i'm 36 years old and this is my first year as a world tour rider that's amazing to be that there are certain cycling institutions perhaps that maybe write riders off at 24 25 if they've had a you know a couple of dodgy years or someone's had an accident or they've had a concussion for a long time or they've been injured for a long time oh we haven't seen them on circuit for a couple of years they're done that that isn't the case you know there are riders who are considering retirement and they're younger than i was i bought a bike i mean anything is possible and with riders like Annemiek van Vluten and Mavi Garcia racing longer and longer and longer into their career and getting stronger and stronger, it just shows you that anything is 
possible if it, for me when I look to those riders I think oh, I've probably got another four years in me like this this is a realistic option option so I don't I don't see it as a weight I see it you know like I say as a privilege and and an opportunity to to help grow the sport but also to show not necessarily to young females you can go on to be a, a cyclist but you can go and do anything anything that you want to do and maybe that isn't the case that you don't hear male cyclists talking about it so much because that is that you know the type of world that we live in unfortunately yeah. I mean you know international women's day was only a couple of days ago and you do still hear those comments about oh well, when's international, international men's day like every day yeah, is international. 364 days yeah. yeah you know every other day is international men's day <laughs> so um in in my opinion i must say um so yeah it's it, it for me it's a much bigger picture than just cycling or just sport it's that you know y- you can do anything and if for, you know, for example, when we we raced in UAE after the first stage, a friend of mine from school was there with her children, and I haven't seen them for a long time. And we had raced past their school, and the my friend's daughter was so excited to tell me that she had told everyone at school that Auntie Claire was going to go past the school because that was amazing, and that her and her friends to see female cyclists. Yeah racing through dubai it was just an incredible thing like that's that's well, amazing you know, the you can be exactly and it, it is like I say it isn't about becoming a cyclist it's about becoming anything that you want to be yeah let's let's talk a bit about the racing then and I, i've mentioned the the, the trophy oro the, the past weekend this, this came on the back of strada bianchi which looked fairly torrid and i, I saw a <laughs> I saw a brief clip of you um, after the race. Where you said, yeah, it was a hard day. The legs weren't as good as I thought they would be. And it, it, that was one of those, yeah, it was a hard day. Get that get that phone away from us. Strada Bianchi in the hardest day shocker. <laughs> what a surprise. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, actually, let's, let's go there. I, mean, you, I guess you, your first spring classic. What What is that experience like? Particularly, you know, the gravel roads that everybody talks about. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I mean, it's definitely an experience, and I feel <laughs> the Brit in me—that is a very polite way of saying—horrendous. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I, for me, it since I've been a cycling fan, it's always been a bit of a beautiful race, and there's something very poetic about the the symmetry of, of beauty and brutality all in in that that one moment and that's I feel like Strada Bianchi so far in my cycling journey that's that's the race that really encapsulates those two feelings um but I yeah I mean I, I was disappointed I I just had one of those days where it everything felt off I, right. I can't put my finger on it like my head wasn't there quite my lungs didn't feel good my legs didn't feel good and I don't know whether it was, you know, that time of the month or just too much traveling or just something just didn't feel like it was coming together. And since 
you know, that the start of the season, that really has been the first experience of feeling like that for me this year. Right. Um, so I was a bit like, ah, oh, crap. Never mind. But you know, it's done. And actually, I was I was in the top 30 in my first crack at Strada Bianchi. If you'd said to me this time last year, you're gonna go and do that, I'd I'd be like, Yeah, sure, I'll take that. Right. Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, so I was disappointed, but also in terms of, re- you know, reflecting on that, it's crazy that I was disappointed with that performance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and then the next day, um, it, yeah, everything just felt quite a bit better the next day. So good sleep and yeah, yeah. go again on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that, that looked like a good day. I, mean, I, I p- picked up the, uh, the, the trophy Oro uh, inside the, for the last 20k or so. And by that point, uh, Amanda Stratton, Guy Real Dini were, you know, up the road and yeah, in the front, Claire Steele's. I mean, what, at what point, um, what's actually, what's going on in the race at that point? You think, right, I'm on the front, I'm going to take this up and we're going to give chase. Well, it, because also, I'm a bit of a fighter, really, and I can't, I can't just sit and wait. Well, I, what, what's the other option? Just sit and wait and oh, we'll just have a bunch of sprint, which, you know, as it turned out, was was how the race sort of finished, as, you know, and the group that I was in, we were caught by the group behind. And you can't control how everyone else is racing, but you can control how you're racing and you have to try. And, you know, the director had said, you know, okay, we're going into the climb. Come on, Claire, full gas, everything you've got. Like, if you can get a small group and then work, collaborate, work, to think, you know. And you just have to, one, you have to do what the the man on the radio is saying but also you have for me I have to come away from every situation and every race knowing that I've given everything and everything in the legs everything in the heart everything in the head everything that I can muster in that moment and if you come 50th and you've given everything then you can get yourself on the bus and you can sit there and be happy you know obviously the result is important but not for me not as important as knowing that I've given everything and that was on that climb I was like give everything give everything we had a small group and then a few more riders from behind came back on the descent and my teammate Tamara was in there um significantly better sprinter than I am so then it was a case of just keep working try and do the chase try and get away into a little break and she can sit in and sit in and then sort of go for the sprint and just do everything that I can to help the team and help the riders who have spent so many kilometres this season working to put me into a position going into the climb. And and that's what being in a team is all about. It's, you know, give and take, isn't it? And when they're working their backsides off for you, if any opportunity that I can work for them, I'm going to. Yeah. Awesome. I just... I'm, I'm I'm kind of fanboying here because I'm just listening to stories inside the peloton because, you know, I, I, I'm a cyclist. We, we think we have some kind of affinity with pro cyclists because we ride bikes. We just have none whatsoever. Um, so it's it's, it's it's great to hear that. that it, you know, it looks like you know, at the start of the season, yeah, so-and-so's currying favour for, for July or whatever, you know, and doing favours. But that actually, that works in practice. Um, so what's next then? Claire, you've just you had an intense start to the season. Um, the the website say you're down for Amstel. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you aware of this? <laughs> I, no, no. 
what else am I doing? Tell me more. Yeah, that was the only one I could find. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm off to Binda next weekend. Ah, cool. Um, so flying um the end of next week, Binda just just for the one day, and then back, and then a bit longer at home, and then yeah, off to Brabant, Amstel, Flesvelo, Liège, and then um back home for a few days before getting ready for the the may madness in spain (laughs) (laughs) which is always i I say always like i've done it my whole life but the last three years i've done it has been yeah a lot of fun very intense month of racing um but i love those races and spain does feel a bit like racing at home for me so it's yeah it's nice cool and and is there is there a, a a a place in the the tour de france Fan I believe Zwift in the offing, perhaps, or is it, is it too it, early to, to see? Um, no, I, I believe so. Yeah, I believe I'm going to the Tour de France avec them, Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. Um, <laughs> so yeah, maybe not now, I've said it wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I believe so. That over, over the Giro, yeah, which cool. is again um, mind blowing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just jealous i just think it's, it, it is it's, it just sounds like a mad journey as you've described it and it's it's fascinating and, a, and i hope um i hope we can catch up with you later in the season and find out just how how, how the journey's been going oh um, no that would that would be great yeah but claire it, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today i'm glad that you've taken the time um, to speak to us on on a, on a rest day um before things <laughs> start to ramp up again I, I suspect you're probably glad you're not racing this weekend by the looks of uh, the, yeah, the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah not to rub it in girls but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was on a podcast when you were freezing on a bus yeah sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> um where where can people find you on social media i'm conscious i'm aware that you you're quite active on the old socials where can, where can we find you um, I'm probably most active on Instagram. So it's um see I think it's c.steels. I'm terrible. I should should yeah, at c.steels on Instagram um is probably the best place to to find me and um Steels Fitness is is was my sort of my fitness company and personal training company that sort of I run alongside that as well. Cool. Well listen, Claire, thanks again for joining us. Um, I hope I hope your season continues to be as as exciting, as rewarding, and just as vibrant as you make it sound. Um, and re- Me really, too. <laughs> really look forward to, to seeing how you go and, and hopefully catching up with you um, again towards the end of the season. But in the meantime, Claire Steels, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's, it's been great to catch up, great to talk and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye.